the Gospel of Mark this morning. I'll be in chapter 3. Chapter 3. For the most part, I think. You know, we hear a lot of things today. Negative about the Christian church. Fools we are, or how narrow-minded we can be, or closed-minded. So I find it in my heart that I got to preach the truth. I just have this passion to view the truth. No glamour, no lights, not a show. Just here's the truth. It's important that you understand what the truth is, right? Because Lord knows that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we need to be saved. We have a sin problem in the world today. Yeah. So. There's lots of things I was looking at in times. I've been looking at uh, Daniel. I've been looking at Revelation. We've been in the Old Testament last week. And I wanted to just talk about the divinity of Jesus. So that we make it clear. Because either Jesus is one of three things. You have to put him in one of three categories, okay? You're, he's either delusional, okay? Out of his mind. He's demonic. Beelzebub, or he's divine. So you might say, well, the general consensus is that Jesus was real. Check box that one. Okay, well, scholars, uh, atheists, and Christians alike for centuries, we know that Jesus is real, just like any one of our presidents of the United States. There's history there, both uh, secular history, uh, uh, biblical history. We have all kinds of things that prove that Jesus indeed was a real figure. And people are, are, for the most part, are good with that. All right? But he was a good prophet. He was a good teacher. He was, a, he was moral. He was a fine person. Um, might have even gone to the cross and died, right? I mean, we all, we all get that. So that's not a category we, we can put Jesus in and, and stay there. We, we can't stay there because all of that is indeed true. Jesus did exist. Jesus was born. Jesus was raised. Jesus lived his life and honestly, for about, other than when he was 12 years old, we don't know much about the first 30 years of his life. We know that at some point in time that John the Baptist came on the scene and that he baptized Jesus and the Spirit the Spirit of God came upon down him like a dove, not actually a dove, not actually a bird, but like a dove. And this, and this is, is described by the author. That he comes down and in, 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 infilled Jesus there in his baptism and even John, like John the Baptist was uh, a prophet among prophets. He was the greatest among prophets. He even goes on to tell us in other areas of the scripture, he is not worthy to tie the sandals of the man who's come behind him. Wow, okay. Uh, so who is this guy? Who, who is this man? So we want to look at uh, the Gospel of Mark. Now, I understand something about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all serve a purpose of giving us the good news of the gospel. What's that, what's that good news? What's the gospel message? That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Christ. Jesus Christ is the chosen one. Jesus is born and uh, died and was resurrected. And we put our faith and trust in him, have everlasting life. All four gospels, to some degree, that's their focus, the good news. Each one takes a little bit different twist. 
As the Gospel of John really focuses on Jesus' divinity and who he is, so we always, always recommend to people, if you're not sure where to send people that are new or not sure about God, send them to the Gospel of John, okay? The Gospel of Mark hits hard. Mark gets in there. We don't always get as much detail, but Mark just jumps right in there and tells us in Mark, uh, in fact, I'm going to jump over to chapter 1 real quick, the very beginning. You don't need to go with me. Listen to this in verse 1 of Mark 1. Uh, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. So the very first sentence, he says, here's the good news. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the chosen one. And he's the Son of God. Listen, we don't go any further than that today. The majority of people today, okay, and there have been approximately, what? I don't, I, I should, I mean, I'm not going to give a number. I'm going to say 8 billion, but there's been more than that. People have lived and died on the earth, but it's a lot higher than that. How many of those people have lived and died without the truth? This simple truth, that uh, the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the chosen one you've been waiting on, and he is God. Mark just jumped right into it. You need to understand that. Okay? Now, much of the world will say, well, he's a good man, he's a good prophet, he's a good teacher. They're all these things, he really existed. But we can't stay there. We have to put him in one of three categories. Sorry, but it only falls in one of three. He's either delusional, he's demonic, or he's divine. And you have to pick one. Okay. And we're going to find out that there is only one sin that cannot be forgiven. And that's to deny the divinity of Jesus. To deny the Holy Spirit. To, to deny that Jesus is the Son of God. That is the only unforgivable sin. All other blasphemies can be forgiven, but that one, and we're told that in the book of Mark, chapter 3. So we see uh, in chapter 1 of Mark the baptism of Jesus. Uh, we see the temptation of Jesus. He goes out to the wilderness. He picks his disciples during the chapter 1 of Mark as well. Jesus cast out an evil spirit as well. He heals a lot of people. He preaches in Galilee, and he heals a man with leprosy. He uh, heals a paralyzed man. And keep in mind that these miracle acts, miraculous acts, attracted people. People wanted to know more about him, and, and quite frankly, they came because of the show. Okay. As this was going on, he's out doing his ministry. His family... Uh, gets a little concerned that he claims that he's the son of God. And we literally see in the Gospels that the family tried to do an intervention. They thought he was delusional. <laughs> you know, the only time that we hear about Jesus is when he's about 12 and he goes to the synagogue and he goes and he, he, he's talking, he's giving wise words and where do these, these come from? But it's pretty well quiet. It's not, it's not to take away from the fact that Jesus lived without sin, but that when the Spirit came upon him, that's when he began his ministry, began to do these things. He began through the power of the Spirit, the power of the Father to heal people. Began, people began to follow him. <clears throat> but then when he made this claim that he is the Messiah, that he is God, uh, the brothers and sisters said, we need to go have a talk with Brother Jesus. There's something wrong with that boy. Now, let's just take Mother Mary aside because she got a she got a message from Gabriel, so she had no doubts. But I'm sure she she had her struggles of dealing with the other kids and trying to explain, yeah, well, well he is God, you know. But anyway, we, we don't want to deal with that. But the the, the 
the brothers and the sisters, the half-brothers and the half-sisters, and at this point in time, too, we don't hear much about Joseph, so the assumption is, and probably accurately, he's, he's passed along. Okay? We don't hear much about Joseph a few years after Jesus' birth. So uh, the kids, though, were like, we need to go with where Jesus is because we hear a lot of people are following him, and we see some of this in Mark, and uh, we see this in verse uh, chapter, chapter 3 of, of Mark. Verse 1, it says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand since it was the Sabbath. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus is not just the Jesus of every, he's Jesus of the Sabbath. The Sabbath represented the law. Sabbath was, uh, so he was even above the law. So that's why that's in there. He was above the law. They planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath, the day they weren't supposed to work, but Jesus is above the law. And Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, in verse 3, he says, come and stand in front of everyone. And then he turned uh, to his critics and asked, Jesus says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. You might think, well, that is, that is, that is strange. He just saw him heal. So we're going to find out that they thought he was a demon. They thought he was Satan. They thought he was Beelzebul. You know that uh, in the original languages, Beelzebub, replaced by Beelzebul, essentially means the same thing. Lord of dung. Lord of manure. That's as far as I'm going to go with that. It was the blasphemy of blasphemies that the leaders of the law, the higher-ups, the religious people <coughs> believe that's who he was. Wow. And notice in verse 7. Crowds are following Jesus. As Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Udumea, and from east of the Jordan River, and from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. So he was pretty popular. But let's just be clear. They came because they'd heard that they were doing, he was doing things for people. He was feeding them. He was healing them. He was providing for them. They want to see what this guy was all about. And he had such a large crowd that Jesus had made arrangements. Hey, give me a boat so that I can you know, get away from the crowd. We want to have a crushing situation here where I'm, I can't get away. So, so let's get in the water. That acted, that acted as kind of a natural uh, speaker system with the water. You know, when, you, when you're in a boat and you speak in the water, it just goes. That's eventually, that's later. He says in verse 9, he says, Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. Said in verse 10, he has healed so many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. They, they wanted to be healed. Folks, there are people that I saw on social media in the last two weeks saying things like, I'm not a religious person, not me, I'm not a religious person, but would you pray for healing? There's a new song out there by the uh, a country singer, I think his name's Jelly, Jelly Roll. Oh, yeah. Is that his name? He says in the song, why should I, God, listen to me when I only pray to him when I'm going to back him to a corner? 
Why would God even listen to me? Basically, that's the content of the song. So people want healing. People want God when it's convenient for them. Make no mistakes about it. The folks that were here came for selfish reasons because they wanted whatever he was offering. Okay? And it was a big crowd. He instructed his disciples, have a boat ready. Have my limo ready. Have a back entrance ready. Have my exit ready. And whenever these, it says, uh, verse 10, he had healed many people that day and all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. So we already see that Mark and John, in this passage of Scripture, Mark, but in the context of the time, John the Baptist has revealed that Jesus is the Son of God. Now we see evil spirits acknowledging that he is the Son of God. So people should know that he's the Son of God, which is why I preach, but we, we don't. But the evil spirits, they do. They, they, so they've acknowledged him, Right? And he said to the spirits in verse 12, he says, just just kind of cool it for a while. Because their testimony was real. Let me tell you something. In a spiritual world, they know who Jesus is. And that's not the place you want to be to find out who Jesus is. Because it's that point you go, oh yeah, that was all real. Right? Right? Verse 13, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out to the ones he wanted to go with him. So this is the calling of his disciples and they were to accompany him, and they would send him out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 that he chose, and there's the list. I'm not going to go over the list. It's not pertinent to the sermon here this morning. But uh, he picked, chose 12. We know those stories, and that's the way Mark is. Gives us a short version of it. Verse 20. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. There are just so many. And here in verse 21, we see his family mentioned. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of, out of his mind, they said. So I gave you a very fast version of the first uh, couple of chapters of Mark, mainly chapter 3, because I wanted you to see there was a lot going on with Jesus. He was pretty popular. The crowds were following. He was healing people. The, the spirits, the evil spirits were acknowledging who he was. Something was going on. People were seeing him. The miracles were being performed. And his family said, um, this is getting a little big for Brother Jesus. We need to have an intervention. Today's a modern day intervention. We need to go talk to Jesus because we're going to find out that, that uh, only loony birds... And crazy people claim to be God, which is what Jesus was claiming to be. So either he's delusional or he's demonic or he actually is God. And at this point in the story, his family does not believe he's God. Now, we won't talk about Mary. I'm sure that she understands and then she, she can't explain that to her kids in a way that they would understand. She had the visit from Gabriel, not them. Joseph's not on the scene at this point in time. 
And you'll notice, though, later on, if we get into in the other, other Gospels of John, we'll see that uh, the, when they were in the upper room at the Passover, that his family was there. He refers to him as his mother and his brothers. And later we also see that uh, uh, Jesus is going to say, well, wait a minute, uh, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Because at the moment we see it here, they're not believing him. They're on an intervention. They're trying to, they're trying to wait, wait, wait a minute here. What's going on? So it says here that uh, he's out of his mind, they said. In Mark chapter 3, still in Mark chapter 3, going to about verse 22, uh, the teachers of the religious law had arrived from Jerusalem and said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where, they get, that's where he gets his power to cast out demons. So we already see two things here. Number one, his family thinks he's delusional. They don't believe him. Everything is going on. And Mark gets right to it. Bam, 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 bam. Miracle after miracle. Healing after healing. He picks his disciples. And he's got a huge following. And his family says, we better slow this train down a little bit. They don't believe he's God. They think there's something wrong with him mentally. Folks, this is not a new thing today. People don't believe he's delusional. No, no. His whole family thought that he was delusional. And then we see that the leaders, those who were the religious people, the Jewish folks, said that uh, he must be Satan, possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. Many translations you'll see Beelzebub or Beelzebul, the lord of dung, the lord of manure. They had already decided that this man is nuts. This man is not just delusional. He actually is possessed by evil spirits. Folks, that's a bad way to go. Okay? So, family didn't believe him, thought he was delusional. The leadership said, no, nope, he's, uh, he's of Satan. That's the only way he could do these uh, healings. That's the only way he could do these things. And listen to what Jesus says when he hears this about what they call him. Jesus called them over. Hey, 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 hey uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, keepers of the law. He says, hey, come, 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 come here for a minute. I want you to think about something. You, you, you say I'm of Satan. It says in verse uh, 23, it says, how can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided by a civil war will collapse. It says, I can't cast myself out. He says, what you're saying is, is, is contradictory. He, he, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's logically not valid. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? He says, that, similarly, it says in verse 25, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? <laughs> See? It's like our church. How can our church fight amongst themselves and remain standing? We, we can't. That, that's going to lead to turmoil. It's going to lead to ending of that church. It's going to lead to ending of that kingdom. And likewise, Jesus says, how could Satan fight against himself? A house divided will not stand. He says, he would never survive. In verse 27, he says, let me illustrate this further. He calls him up here. Let me illustrate this further. He says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. What's he saying? He's, he's saying uh, whatever power that Jesus possesses is stronger than that which Satan possesses. Folks, that's pretty powerful. 
He says, uh, a little guy gets in a ring with a big guy. Who's going to win? So the big guy's going to win. All right? I mean, just, just I mean, everything being equal, Goliath is going to win. Everything being equal, what the world looks at, the big guy is going to win. And Jesus says in the spiritual world, which is where he's talking, he says, I've got news for you. He says, no one can cast out Satan, but someone who's stronger than Satan, and that would be me. And of course, his family delusional. But they thought he was even worse than that. It was at that moment they wanted to kill him. Verse 28, he says, I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Huh. I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Listen, your filthy mouths, our filthy mouths, our filthy minds can be forgiven. We can curse God. I'm not suggesting you do any of those things, okay? That's horrible. That's horrible stuff. I'm just thinking the foulest stuff that you can possibly think of, the worst thing that you can possibly think of. God says, I, I, can, I can forgive that sin. If many of you sitting there right now go, he can't forgive some sins. Some sins are real bad. Look at Hitler, you know, Napoleon. Look at you know, people that uh, rape little kids. And look at, you know, uh, Molestation and look at all these these foul things, incest. Oh, we can just think of all kinds of incredibly horrible things, uh, sexual sins that especially come to our mind. How can God forgive that? Well, He can. A, a, a humbling heart, someone who truly, truly acknowledges their sin and asks for forgiveness and receives Jesus, is forgiven. And they begin to walk in it. They begin to walk with a different person. Now that's a decision that every single person must make on their own. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is not delusional. Okay? Jesus is not demonic. But Jesus is in fact God. And that's the only thing that fits. He's not simply a good moral teacher. He's not just a good preacher. He's not just healing people. And the Bible even tells us that healing is not a big deal for God. I mean, God's in the business of healing, right? He's a great physician. It's not a, in fact, he even tells us elsewhere, you think healing's hard? Just try forgiving sins. Yeah. Foreshadowing that cup that he was going to have to take in the Garden of Gethsemane, which he asked to be passed from him, but not his will, but his father's will, because he knew what he was going to have to take, the full wrath of God on the cross of all Past, present, and future sins, including my sin and your sin. Whatever it is today that you're going to do, that sin too has been forgiven. So it's appropriate to say to the Lord every day, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me of that one too. What I hear people though a lot of times saying is, forgive me of my sins, Lord, today. Forgive me of my sins. And that's fine. He had, I got news for you. He has. Our frame of mind, though, should be, thank you for forgiving me of that one, too. I'll be walking around my house thinking something or doing something, and something will come out of my mouth or my mind, 
And I just routinely would have said, just become habit. I'm sorry, Lord, for that. And he just reminds me, I've already forgiven you, but thanks for acknowledging it. But it's good to acknowledge our sin, right? right? God and Jesus are the same. The fact the Bible tells us if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. He tells you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is where Christianity is different than every other religion in the world, okay? It's not, uh, we believe in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God manifested in three persons of the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus had so much power that before he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He says, I will leave you with a comforter, someone to help you. When you acknowledge your sin, and some of you listening, some of you sitting here today go, you know, I'm just not a sinner. Yeah, well, you know what? Then you're a liar, and that makes you a sinner. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, lying is a sin, okay? Denying the, the, the divinity of Jesus is the worst sin. I beg you, if, if, you're, if you believe that Jesus is, is who he says he is, you, you need to make a decision. Either he's crazy, or he's God, or he's, 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 he's the devil. And he's proved all along that he is who he says he is. He went to the cross and he died for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world, so that all who shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So he did the work. He did the work. All you got to do is receive it. That's, that's, that's the good news. But so many will reject it because they try to put him in a box and we try to explain away. We, well, maybe the Bible was just made up. Maybe a bunch of people got together and just... Folks, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that have come true and some that still haven't yet. And all of them, all of them have come true. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. There are historical documents outside the biblical canon that document the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot deny that Jesus was real. You cannot deny that he was buried. You cannot deny that he was crucified on the cross we can argue all day long about his resurrection, but let me tell you something. The reason they haven't found Jesus' grave, the reason they haven't found his bones, is because he's not there. He's in heaven with the Father right now. He's the right hand of the Father right now. And that is our hope. Our hope is not emptiness. It's real. It's real hope. Jesus is real. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can experience him today in your daily walk. Spend some time with Jesus. Plant your garden. Give him some time. Feel the peace. Reread what we read earlier. It's neat. It's cute. It's hard hitting though. It is an amazing thing. We've got a garden at home to see when you plant the seeds, see them come up and you, you, you begin to treat them like little babies. Like, okay, don't water too much. Don't do this. And, okay, get, you know, you've got to do just the right things. And then, boy, when you eat that fruit or that vegetable, it's like, it tastes so good. Even the ones that aren't that good. They're yours. It tastes great. It's amazing what God does. You and I are so much more complicated than that. God is real. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Folks, we live in a world right now that does everything it could possibly do to convince you that you're, uh, you're random. You're here by evolution. You're just lucky to be here. Uh, it's just the way the world... Come on. That, that's a lie. It's, it's a lie. Oh, I just want to box it up and say, here, will this convention? And I can't imagine what Jesus felt. He said he felt anger when he looked at him and he just wouldn't believe. 
feel sorry for people. And sometimes I get angry too, don't you? How can you not believe? Another day, another sermon. So what will you choose this day? Was he delusional? No, 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 no. Even his family eventually came around. James, hey, remember that book? He came around. Faith without works is dead. As an example, when he was at the cross, he looked down upon brother John and he said, this is my mother. Take care of her. Jesus spiritually said, who are my mother? Who's my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Those who received me. If you received him, you're a child of God. You're my sister. I'm your brother. We're all one. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that Mark just gets right at it. Lord, I just pray that uh, your spirit has moved this morning, Lord. And if there be anybody listening or here this morning that does not know you, as simply refusing to acknowledge that they're a sinner or for some reason is doubting, as the Pharisees did, that none of this is true, that it's demonic, or it doesn't even exist, or it's delusional. Lord, I just pray that your spirit, and it's only your spirit that can move them and change hearts. We pray for each of those individuals today. We love you, and Lord, help us to be humble servants, and not to be judgmental, but to be good testimony and good witness to your word. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen. You'll join me in your handles for our closing benediction song. What number is that? 493, I should know that. 493.